any other questions on my No, because I was so long-winded, I will now let you uh, I will cede the floor to you. <laughs> what do you know that we need to know? Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Back again this week with another Yak Sports Podcast, talking about the sports you, the Augusta County fan, cares about. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me. Let's talk about the high school sports, and basically everybody just keeps rolling, Joe. Lee Boys Soccer stays undefeated, beating Wilson last week, keeps rolling this week. Uh, draft Girls are keep rolling. They did give up a goal last week. Hopefully that wasn't the Yak Sports jinx. Uh, Riverheads baseball keeps rolling. They keep picking up the victories. They have a, a very good Page County team looming. We will hear more from Coach Painter of Riverheads High School in our interview in our second segment. And then the high school tennis, the Shenandoah District Tournament and Valley District Tournaments going on uh, today. I know the Shenandoah District Tournament, I saw all the cars over at Wilson this afternoon, uh, and I know Wilson was performing well over there. But let's talk about Lee Soccer first. You were at the game last week when they played Wilson. I uh, provided fake news that I would be there, and then I did not show up uh but you did so tell us how the lehman looked on the pitch on the pitch they were fantastic uh, this is a team that plays really well uh they're very you can tell experienced and have good team chemistry uh and wilson's not a bad team they're just not lee and i think we talked about that coming into this game is that's what we expected uh lee won three nothing really it should have been four nothing but the officials Mercy gifted uh, Wilson by taking a goal off the board for uh, mercy reasons, I guess. Um, and at the risk of losing Wilson fans that listen to this podcast, I'm just going to say, I'm going to hope it's the same guy that was um, presenting his dark side during basketball season when Wilson and Lee played, because then it would be a bigger problem for the Wilson fan base as a at a large. And I'm just going to assume it's the same guy. Um, that guy is kind of a person who ruins sports. He's a guy who stands up and yells whenever the officials don't give everything to his team. These are people crying that they didn't get a single call their way when Wilson didn't get called for a foul until very, I'd say probably halfway into the second half. I believe Wilson didn't have a foul called on them. Um, they were upset about just because their team was getting beat and they weren't as good. And that's not the officials fault. That's a your team's just not as good as Lee problem. And the, their fans were standing up, screaming, hollering about the officials the whole night. There were two injuries for Wilson, neither of which were a foul. One was two kids going for the ball at the same time. Feet hit the ball at the same time. Uh, the kid fell and I believe uh, dislocated his elbow is what I overheard Ooh. later in the night. And I hope he's doing OK. But that being said, that's not a foul. Um, and then later there was a ball that was shot at the goalie. The goalie went down to try to save it. It squeezed through his legs. He bent back to try to get it. When he bent back, he hurt himself, still didn't have it. So the kid from Lee ran behind him and shot it into the goal for what should have been the fourth goal. But again, the official waved it off because I, I don't know, because Wilson fans were screaming and hollering. And then what you had after that was the Wilson kids hear fans screaming and hollering. Then they get hot and they had a couple of late fouls. 
And if the official had seen it, there was one kid that deserved a red card for trying to get physical with a lead player and should have been red carded, in my opinion. Um, but that's on, that's on the fans because their fans can't control themselves and have to show uh, their dark side and their behinds in the crowd. And it's just there's no place for it in high school sports. Again, at the risk of upsetting Wilson people and them never listening. But if you're one of those yeah. people showing your behind, I don't really want you listening to our podcast anyway because you're a problem in high school sports, not not somebody who deserves to be involved in any shape, way, or form. I imagine the fans you were sitting around on the Lee side, they, they were pretty uh, abrasive too, weren't they? They were pretty foul mouth, right? Uh, actually, you know, you're sitting with around my family, so I know I know who you're sitting with. So, yeah, <laughs> actually, they were fine. It was fun. It was yeah. a fun atmosphere. Yeah. And other than those few people, and it wasn't like all the Wilson fans, it was a few other than those few people. It was a very enjoyable game. Um, Again, I I was sitting there watching with Lee fans, but I wasn't necessarily rooting for Lee. I was rooting for a good game. There were a couple of opportunities where I was like, man, I kind of want Wilson to score to make this interesting. And they just couldn't. And I wasn't like, oh, man, the refs really are messing Wilson over. I was like, no, it's just Wilson just isn't good enough. And that's that's yeah. their problem. And that's th- that's OK. I mean, if these people watch soccer other than Wilson, they would realize that happens quite a bit in soccer. Um, soccer is a sport where the haves and the have nots. And there's a, quite a big gap. And right now Lee is a have and everyone else in that district is kind of a have not uh, compared to Lee. They don't, they're not in the same yeah. universe. And, and I think Wilson, I think well, Wilson's a solid soccer team. I mean, they've beaten everybody else in the district um, other than Lee. They're, they're having a great season. It's just Lee as, is really is playing for a state title. I mean, that's, that's what their goal is going into the season. Um, and the district play really isn't, challenging them the way they will be challenged in the region probably final and in the state tournament so it's just a different it's a different level and I think that's a great point um and I I think Lee is as strong as last year and maybe defense even though they have given up a couple goals I mean I think defense is really where they shine and and they're and they're keeping the good teams off the board Uh, honestly the teams that are scoring on them are the lesser teams and I think it might be when uh, maybe the, uh, uh, the enough attention's not there. That does make me wonder, hey, what happens when you get into a um, – and excuse my ignorance, I, I, they're not playing 90 minutes in high school soccer. What are they playing, 60? 80. 80. So what happens when you get into a real 80-minute game where you got to be good for 80 minutes? Um, Lehigh hasn't been tested throughout the season, so that's something just to keep in your mind as as you're watching uh, Lehigh go into the playoffs, I think. No, there were a couple instances in the game where I would have liked to seen a little more precision passing from Lee. Uh, I thought they were a little sloppy in certain instances with possession, and I think, yeah, I mean, I- I'm interested. What happens when you play George Mason? Because, right, that's the team we're all looking at right now is George Mason. Can they beat them? Yeah. Can they beat them when it counts most? Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, yeah, when, when they're tested last year out of Lee and then they played George Mason in the region final. They won Lee won. So it's a team that they can beat. It's a team that after not giving a goal up all season last year, they, they went and played a George Mason team and beat them. So you can't just assume George Mason's just going to win that game, but they're not going to be challenged like George Mason until they play George Mason. Exactly. All right, uh, let's uh, get out of high school sports. We'll talk more about baseball in our second segment. Actually, let's stay with high school sports for a second. A little news out of high school football. 
Um, you know, we talked to Coach Casto when he retired or resigned from being head coach uh, back after the first of the year. And, uh, you know, the rumors were swirling about who would stay and who would go. And uh, a couple of the assistants, I think, were trying to stay on the staff. But news out of Riverheads uh, yesterday, Cody Elliott kind of broke the news. Coach Norcross, the defensive coordinator who gets a lot of credit for what's happened up over there for the last 20 years, and Coach Hemp, uh, two two long-term coach assistant coaches at Riverheads, they've also now resigned. And uh, the football program will – We'll pretty much be getting a clean break now with uh, with pretty much a whole new staff uh, going forward. I don't think that's that surprising. I think that was kind of expected. So uh, yeah, I, I really I, wasn't surprised. I, I agree. I don't think this is something that hurts Riverheads any more than we were thinking it was. And, and look, you know, the new coach is coming oh, in do. and he's going to. I do. No, because we assumed this was going to happen when Coach Casto announced he was stepping down. So to me, that damage was done. In my head, I was like, okay, these assistants are probably going as well. No one's going to stay on. So I'm not saying that the assistants don't serve an important role and not having them is not going to be, you know, that that's not going to be a ding. But as soon as Coach Casto said he was stepping down, I was like, okay, these guys are probably going to step down at some point too. And so I was not counting them on the staff for next year. So that's what I mean I when I say it won't hurt them any worse than the damage that's already been done. That's what I mean by that. I don't, already. Yeah. yeah, I don't look at them as being on that staff. So I wasn't. I guess what I'm saying is in my in terms of what I think for next year, I don't think it's going to be any more damaging than basically what's already been done. I guess when I was hearing that they were in the meetings and stuff and I, you know, I hear a little more than most being living in the Riverheads area and talking to people. Um, hey, when I heard they were showing up to meetings and they were coming and they were figuring out the roles for them, I thought, OK, well, you know, having Coach Ray Norcross in the room, knowing having played for the man, having played on that old staff, knowing how important he was to how good that defense was. Um, I thought that was huge. I thought that was a huge advantage for the team. So I, I, in my mind started accepting that, Hey, maybe they're there. And uh, coach Hemp, I mean, he was my position coach when I played and uh, I know what he brings to the table and, and he's a good solid coach and uh, a big piece of the puzzle there. Um, I will, you know, I'm, I'm for, focusing on coach Norcross just because he was the defensive coordinator. And I think coach Hemp would probably <laughs> give Ray coach Norcross a lot of credit as well. Um, I think it's a huge loss when I thought, hey, there's potential that they will be there for them now not to have that. I think it is a huge loss. And I think if they're interested in coaching anymore, um, whoever gets them would be very beneficial to have them because Coach Norcross knows how to stop every different kind of offense that's thrown at him. And he's shown that over the years. And, you know, for a program where people thought, hey, Riverheads can't guard the pass, well, Riverheads did guard the pass and they've got one state championships. Sure. Games were lost here and there, but the defense is really what led to a lot of victories while that running machine offensively got going. And you, that was what was in the paper. You know, the other number on the, on the score sheet there was always less than 20 pretty much. And a lot of, a lot of, you know, single scores, if not shutouts. So uh, I think it's a huge loss, but I understand what you're saying. You weren't expecting them to be there anyway. So it's big news out of there. And it, I, I do come back around to the fact though, that, and this is kind of the opposite of what I was saying. This is a new coach. He's got to own the team. It's got to be done his way. He can't do it somebody else's way. So it might be easier for him to manage that situation. If it is a clean break and it is pretty much a clean staff and, and, and see how it falls from there. 
No, I agree with you there too. I think when so many times when a new coach comes in, you're looking at how much you can keep um, just for continuity's sake. But th- there is a certain point where the new coach is going to come in and say, Hey, I'm not the old guy. I am my own man. I have my own yeah. way of thinking. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's why these coaches resigned because they didn't want to do it that way. I don't know. That is pure speculation. Um, but Again, for me, I'm not saying that Coach Norcross and Coach Hemp didn't have major impacts on those teams during their successes. I'm just saying, for me, as soon as you, as soon as Coach Casto announced his retirement, I figured Coach Norcross and Coach Hemp were basically just. I I was surprised it took them this long to announce it. Uh, I figured this was coming. So when I say to me, no more damage, uh, what I'm saying is, I figured this was happening anyway. I I would imagine that. Riverheads already has eyes on who the assistants will be anyway. Probably so. So it'll be, it'll be a clean break there. It'll be a new era. Um, it was going to be anyway, just the head coach, no, no coach Norcross means a lot up there, but as soon as the head coach name changes, that's going to be viewed as a new era. But, uh, I guess for the people that are inside Riverheads a little bit more and, and, uh, you know, I, I know that program as uh, better than most. So, um, it, for me too, it's just a clean break now, and uh, the program will move on. They'll still play football games in the fall, uh, but it'll be a lot of new faces down there. All right, let's get into the probably what's the biggest national s- sports news, uh, maybe outside of the NBA playoffs, but uh, definitely a big stories. That Kentucky Derby had a little interest uh, going on there Saturday night. Did you watch it? I did. I showed up ten minutes before, like I told you I would, okay. and then I had to stand around for twenty minutes after it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah. So I love. I love. I told you this last week. Yeah. I love the build up. I love everything about it. I watched the. Um, I watched less pre coverage than normal. Um, I watched. Started watching at six. Post time was I think six fifty. They run the race around seven. And then, like you said, there was 20 minutes of de- trying to figure out who was the winner was. Um, we watched watch TVs for 20 minutes, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> look, I, I think the stewards were right. Uh, you can't have the horse swinging from bottom to top and clipping other horses. Now, if he had been able to clear the other horses, it's a moot point. But he didn't. He clipped, I uh, believe it was War of Will, who was charging to the outside after he went to the rail. Or, I'm sorry, he blocked War of Will at the rail, and then he swung up. And started clipping other horses, and that's a problem. You can't, or you can't do that. And so, uh, in my mind, the stewards got it right. I know the owner of Maximum Security wanted to appeal, but you can't appeal the stewards' decision because they're the final say at that track. There is no uh, governing body of the Triple Crown. Um, so, I thought the I thought the stewards handled it well. I'm disappointed to see that Country House is not running at the Preakness. I don't understand okay. that move. Neither one of them are. Yeah, I understand maximum security. When you lose a race, sometimes they don't run in the Preakness. I, that's not unprecedented. But it is. I believe it would be absolutely unprecedented for the Kentucky Derby winner to not run at the Preakness, and I don't understand uh, why. I think it wasn't so long ago. I think there was like a week of scratch. But I think to come out three days after the Kentucky Derby and already say you're not running it, I have no. I don't remember that happening. Uh, well, but is there something wrong with the horse? Happened. I mean, what's going on? they said it was sick or something, which you'd think you, they give it a week or two before you did make that decision. But yeah. So my experience with the race was, like I said, I mean, I think I turned it on at five o'clock at my house, but then we were 
driving around. We were set up a campfire. So then I really came and started watching it 10 minutes before. Um, it was a good race. Uh, it was fun, but I feel like they all are. Even when a horse wins by seven lengths, it's still fun to watch them go around. So it ended and I had no idea. I went out back to the campfire. We got the fire started, um, told my dad who won the race. We ended up back in the house to grab something. And then that's when I saw um, that it was under uh, what's the proper term there. Objection. It was, it was being questioned. There was an objection. And yeah. Objection there. So I, I might've missed the five minutes right following the race. But so then I stood there and waited for them to name a winner. And, uh, it did remind me how awesome Mike Tarico is. And I think a lot of people have been saying that since then, but I mean, I didn't know. And they kept showing the replays and you're kind of seeing people say their opinion and which way it's going to go. And now it's never happened in Kentucky Derby history before. And I, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know if it was right or wrong. I actually, you know, it wasn't like a football play where it's in replay. You walk in the room and you say, Oh, that's a catch or that's no catch. Or his foot went out of bounds before he got in the end zone, you know, you throw your opinion. Out. I had no idea. I don't know the rules of horse racing. So I just watched and I had no money on it. So I didn't care. And then boom, they changed the winner of the race. And it's, you know, it's exciting. It's like two finishes. So, um, uh, yeah, immediately texted you and you said that was the right call. And that's what I rolled with. I, I just trusted my, my podcast partner, uh, for being right. And, uh, so then, you know, talking about is, Hey, it, that's the right call. That's the way it should have been. And I don't even know why I was saying it. <laughs> it but it is the right call. You, you, they don't want you veering lanes wildly like he was. Um, it, now, if he hadn't clipped a horse and they had overturned it, I think that would have been bad. But he clipped a horse. He clipped a horse when he was going back to the outside. That caused horses to get bumped and move and could have possibly resulted in the injury or death of a horse and jockey. That's why they have those rules. And there was one analyst on there saying, well, I mean, Maximum Security was the best horse. He should win. Country House wasn't involved in this, which is true. Country House was not that involved in what happened. But this is a country of laws and rules. Horse racing is a sport. Oh, that's why you have rules. And if you're going to have the rules, you have to enforce them. It doesn't matter if Maximum Security was the best horse. Maximum Security cheated. Therefore, he's disqualified. Country House finished in second. Therefore, he is the winner. That is the rules. Sorry about your luck. But next time, don't veer into the path of other horses and clip them. It's a very unsafe practice. I'm glad the Kentucky Derby stewards at Churchill Downs had really the the, uh, the stones to do that and the audacity to do that. I mean, that's not an easy decision to make. It's the first time in Kentucky Derby history something like that has happened. So it's definitely uh, unprecedented, and they did the right thing. They knew that it was going to be a controversial moment. They did the right thing in my opinion, by making the right call and sticking to the rules. The other interesting thing during that 20-minute uh, objection while you're watching the replays is hearing the other voices, hearing the people it impacts directly. And this is this is yeah, something yeah. that is really just exclusive to horse racing. So you have the owners of the horses. They're very opinionated, and it's not hard to figure out why they have the opinions they do. What it, the other thing that is interesting is the jockeys. The jockeys do not come out with very strong stances. And the rationale behind that is, and as I was trying to explain it to oh, yeah. the people I was watching with, these jockeys know it's not just about this race. It's about any other race that may follow. 
So yeah, they're going to run for that other owner next year. They want to be riding for any owner that out there. They don't want to ruin themselves. Yeah. Right. And they may not, they may not ride that horse the next race. So it, it's going to come down to, uh, do I want to burn bridges? And the answer of course is no. So you heard the jockeys say the one that uh, was riding maximum security say, I don't think I clipped anyone. I don't think I broke the rules. And then the one riding country house saying, I, I, I think I got bumped a little bit, but you know, I'm going to trust the stewards to make the right decision. And whatever they say is how it goes. And so that's kind of, it, yeah, it was very non-committal. And I, I thought, you know, I respect them. I, I understand the situation they're in. Um, but I thought that was just something else that I don't think you would see in any other sport. I mean, if this is football, like, you know, Sean Payton's not going to sit there and worry about, Oh, you know, uh, I don't want to piss these officials off anymore because in his eyes, well, I just lost one of the biggest games of my career. So forget them. They were boneheads and they missed an obvious call. Um, and that's kind of what the owner of maximum security, he thinks they missed it. And he was trying to appeal to a entity that doesn't exist. So, um, it was interesting. I, I thought it was a great race. I thought the stewards, made the right call. The right horse won the race yeah. uh, by the rule. I, I, I'm disappointed the horse isn't running in the Preakness. If it's genuinely for the horse's health, then okay. I just think, like you, I would have liked to have seen him wait a week before he said that. I think it's really interesting that in this calendar year that we're five months into, um, we've seen an NFC NCAA multiple games down the stretch, particularly the um, the final there, uh, and now this Kentucky Derby really decided by refereeing decisions, and um, it's it's just been really interesting that these big moments in sports have really come down to officials making calls. In this case, there is the replay. Uh, in in the basketball, you know that foul in the corner. People are saying, "Oh, should they call it or should they not?" Um, in the foot back into the football and the NFC championship, you know, the guy gets laid out and what should have been a pass interference call where replay couldn't help them. So it's just interesting how this has gone and how this has been a reoccurring um, situation down the stretch here. And I think it reinforces in my mind, the opinion. And I, I think you touched on this. If it's a foul in early in the game, if it's a foul in any old race happened in any old weekend, if it's a, uh, if it's a it's a foul a call any point else, then it should be a call at the end of a game. It should be a consistent rule book, a consistent officiated process, no matter when it happens in a game. And so for that sake, and having heard enough, you know, actual experts on horse racing talk about it since then on other podcasts. And then, you know, since you're saying it too, I like that they called it. I like that they called it the right way. And it just makes it the cleanest moving forward. And honestly, it makes it clean that maximum security is not running the next race. So that way he doesn't have a chance to win the next two. And then people are getting upset that a triple crown was taken away from him or something. So I, I'm glad moving forward. Uh, I am disappointed though. You got to think NBC is just, really crying right now oh, who's going to watch these next two races without a triple crown possibility yeah. the belmont will have horrible ratings the preakness will not have great ratings it, the preakness might have some ratings that they wouldn't have because some people won't know that country house is scratched i'm sure nbc isn't going to advertise that um <laughs> and so uh, when people tune in and they don't see country house you're gonna be like oh what and so then when there's no triple crown hope for the Belmont, NBC's ratings for the Belmont are going to get killed. And it's disappointing because I'm going to yeah. watch both regardless because I like horse racing, but I understand the casual family. I'll still turn in my 10 minutes. I mean, they'll still get me for my 10 minutes, but that's the same either way. Oh, man. Preakness is Maryland, my Maryland. Oh, it's another great state song. The Belmont's New York, New York. I could do without. But um, 
Maybe Maryland, I'll go Maryland. hop in on some uh, porter potties in honor of the Preakness. Yeah, my, well, I don't know about that, but my old <laughs> Kentucky home in Maryland, my Maryland, two um, just amazing state songs. And yeah, New York, New York is just whatever. But speaking of Maryland, you're Maryland. The Orioles, hey, not three and seven in the last 10, four and six. They're going to, we got progress, a little better. Baby. Yeah, progress. <laughs> we beat the Red Sox uh, last night. I don't think we're going to win tonight, but we beat them last night on a grand slam by Jonathan Villar and man, the Boston Red Sox have just got to be hating life right now. I know they won the world series last year and that's good for them, but that team looks like a dumpster fire right now. Um, Two and a half out of the wild card. If they get anything going, they stay in that race. Yeah, but there's just nothing there. I think those other teams are going to eventually put it together. Those teams are also talented. And I think when you're looking at it, I, I, I would be worried if I was a Red Sox fan. I, Chris Sale not only is O for the season, but he has been O for the season and looked horrible in those starts. He's a nutcase. That's um, true. He's a nutcase. David Price, Price certified yeah. Looney Tune. Um, yeah. I would put both of those guys in an insane asylum before I would put them on the mound right now. Um, <laughs> and again, if I was a Red Sox fan, I'd be freaking out because the, the Orioles are rebuilding. That's why we're terrible. Yeah, What's your yeah. excuse? Um, you are loaded. You have more money than anybody but the Yankees and maybe the Dodgers. And it, you are spending it as such. And you guys just aren't putting anything together on the field that resembles Major League Baseball. They're they're in trouble, in my opinion. The Tampa Bay Rays and New York Yankees are definitely going to the playoffs. because They play this weekend. That'll be an interesting series early in the season here. Yeah, because despite the Yankees having injury after injury, they somehow keep winning. Again, when you sell your soul to the devil to become the Yankees, you know, you're dealing with the dark arts anyway. But um, so that's why they keep winning despite the injuries piling up. But, you know, I, I think there's another team out there that's still going to surprise people. I still think the Houston Astros are definitely a playoff team. And so then when the Oakland A's are doing what they're doing, they're the, the Seattle Mariners the first in their division. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the Mariners have cooled off, but you're looking at the A's Mariners. They're right there. Are, are the twins going to hold on? Can they survive the Indians? Cause I think the Indians will eventually put things together a little bit. Indians have been knocked around with injuries. So, you know, that's a worry. I I'm a, I'm a, one-year Twins fan this year just because I think they're going to do well. But, yeah, that's a worry. The The Indians have been playing without a lot of their top guys so far this season. So when they get them all back, will they be able to push back to the top division? And but maybe the Twins will be able to hold on and still be a factor or or, or still win that division. I mean, so you if you're know. Boston, like, that's not even the problem, right? Injuries aren't your problem. Just wins and losses are your problem and your team not looking very competitive. That's a very good point. Um the other point that I uh, had for in the baseball talk, um, getting back to the notes, was with the Orioles, going back to them, I heard on the Tony Kornheiser podcast, you listen to it too, they have a bright future with the guys making decisions, and that's experts talking about it, not just you or, or me talking stuff that, hey, we like the deals they're giving different guys. So I am secretly rooting for your one of your sports teams to have success. I know you're going to talk about Liverpool later and you're having a little success there, but I'm about a sport that I actually watch. I'm hoping a team that you like can have success in addition to Virginia Tech because I'm the same team as them, and I'm not going to root for the Ravens. So I'm kind of starting to root for the Orioles a little bit just so you have some happiness that I can be happy about. Yeah, um, the Orioles are doing well. Uh, we're in a rebuild. I, I like some things about the young players. Uh, I like the coaches. Uh, but the biggest Orioles news was off the field. 
we lost our mass in case against Major League Baseball and the Washington Nationals because they decided to change the deal. And because it's Major League Baseball and they're a bigger entity than the Baltimore Orioles, they had more money than we did. So they won the court case. And that's just how life goes. Um, so we got screwed over. That starts a bunch of rumors that the Orioles are going to move to Las Vegas, which, of course, is nonsense because if the Tampa Bay Rays are in Tampa Bay, then surely the Baltimore Orioles aren't moving anywhere because that team is right now first place in the AL East, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, and they can't get fans into their stadium. So if they're not relocating, we're not going to be relocating. And they're not they're not moving out of Baltimore. And and the thing is, you talk about a team moving to Vegas, any team, and you might cite the Golden Knights. Hey, they have good attention. Well, they're winning. They were in the Stanley Cup final last year. They're winning. They're going to get those out-of-town guests that you're getting in Vegas. They're going to get them into those games because it's a fun atmosphere. But if a loser is in Las Vegas, and I think we might see this with the Raiders here in two years, people aren't going to show up to those games. They're not going to go to it. It doesn't matter if you're in Vegas, in Baltimore, or in Tampa. If you're a loser, you're not going to draw. And if you win, people are going to show up. And and in today's age, with with entertainment in your pocket at all times, people are not coming to games unless they're going to be entertained. So it doesn't matter. They're not going to move. And moving to Vegas doesn't solve everything. And it's just a, a terrible argument. As soon as I heard that rumor, I just rolled my eyes. Just, it's just a stupid rumor. But um, I like where the Orioles are going. I like the guys that are in charge. Hearing that made me look up some of these guys. Um, it, it's interesting. You know, the success that Houston has had, that's what the Orioles are trying to do. That's a great mold for them to be in. So I, I'm kind of rooting for them for your sake. Yeah, Mike Elias, uh, and Mike Elias we trust. He's the GM. Brandon Hyde making a lot of good decisions and his manager. Uh, I don't envy Brandon Hyde's position. He has to cobble together something that looks like a Major League Baseball lineup when his pitching rotation looks like something off of Major League 3, you know, back in the majors or whatever. I guess it'd be (laughs) Major League 4 because technically Major League 3 was back to the minors. So this would be Major League 4, Birdland edition, or, you know, falling out of the nest. But Major League Two is the one they recorded in Camden Yards. It is, which I'm so glad you <laughs> caught that because so many people don't know that. And that is such a great little yeah. fun fact. Oh, it is. All right. Let's move over to hockey. I don't, I, are you even watching hockey since your caps are out? Um, no, uh, but I do know <laughs> that the Carolina Hurricanes swept the Islanders, meaning Barry Trotz will also not be hoisting the Stanley Cup this year, which is great if you're a caps fan. Uh, Boston came back after being behind two to one against Columbus to win their series. And then you look to the West where you've got two game sevens, one tonight uh, with the St. Louis blues taking on the Dallas stars. I hope Dallas wins. I think St. Louis will win. And then the other series is the San Jose sharks and the Colorado avalanche. That one is a real coin toss. I, I I'm going to go sharks. I don't care either way. I'm going to go Sharks, and whoever wins out of the West is who I'm rooting for because I can't root for the Carolina Hurricanes after they knocked the Caps out. And I will never root for Boston. So, there. I'm rooting for the Stars. That's uh, out of these teams. That's the only team I've seen in person. I went to a Dallas Stars game when I was down there one time. Um, I also like to think that Patrick Roy is still the goalie for uh, the Avalanche. So, that's kind of interesting. Oh, Leland. It's Patrick Waugh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I knew you were going to correct it's me. Patrick on that. Waugh. And <laughs> the only team I've seen out of these was the Columbus blue jackets. But when I saw them, they were the Atlanta thrashers. Uh, well, a different era. Let's <laughs> talk about NASCAR era. real quick. True X junior won the race in Dover Menard 18th. 
Bubba, not very good at driving a NASCAR. Um, Kansas next. Who you got? Is Menard going to get up there in the top 10? No, he'll probably be about 15th or a little outside. I don't think he'll be in the top 10. And uh, Kyle Busch will be your winner. Yeah, I, I figured it'd be a Bush kind of race. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get to the next segment. We got Coach Painter of the Riverheads Gladiator baseball team. All right, back here on the Yak Sports Podcast and our interview portion of the podcast. We are joined by Rodney Painter, head coach of the Riverhead Gladiator baseball team. Coach, thanks for coming on with Joe and I. Well, thank you for having me on. So a lot of excitement uh, in Greenville for baseball, which is uh, used to some excitement in baseball. And you guys are two losses on the season, a bunch of wins, uh, looking to be a top seed coming out of Region 1B. Uh, but talk about how the Shenandoah District regular season's wrapping up for you guys. Uh, we've got uh, we've got one more game left uh, in the regular season. Uh, we play against Page uh, this Thursday night uh, at our place, and um, then we'll start the uh, the district tournament uh, next week. So it's been it's been a grind here uh, lately. We've had uh, three games the last couple weeks, so uh, we're, we're finishing up here this week, though. Talk about some of the leaders for your baseball team. You know, a lot of familiar names uh, from the success you had. You coming off a, a state championship last year. Uh, you know, Shuey and uh, you know some of the other guys. Talk about the, the leaders uh, for your ball club. Well, we've got two seniors this year. Um, I think they've done a, a fabulous job uh, leading this team. Um, for Shuey, um, he's been um, playing some first for us and, and catching for us here lately. Um, and then Jacob King, um, early in the season, um, we've, um, we've had him, uh, in outfield. Uh, we've got a really young outfield, um, with a couple of freshmen and sophomores and, and, uh, he's done a great job with those guys helping them. And then, you know, probably the last uh, three or four weeks, uh, we've got him back on the mound, uh, throwing more, uh, actually he, he threw tonight. And, um, so those two guys have been, have been great for us. Also, talk about, you know, specifically your pitching staff. You know, you get into the postseason uh, particularly, and uh, the pitching staff really can make or break you, uh, as you know. Um, talk about, you know, the, the guys you go to on the mound. Uh, you know, you have to have more than one or two pitchers when it comes to postseason. Talk about those guys. Um, well, um, Elijah uh, Dunlap, um, he was um, he was our number one guy last year, and um, – same for this year. Uh, he's, he's pitched very well for us thus far. Um, and then, um, and like you said, I mean, obviously you've got to have more than just one pitcher. Um, and uh, we've been very fortunate to have some arms um, coach nicely. Our pitching coach has done an exceptional job working with these young men. Um, Jacob King uh, has been throwing um, a lot for us here lately. Uh, Casey Butler. Um, has been doing a lot of uh, either starting or is coming in as a reliever. Um, Matthew Charles, uh, he's a sophomore. Uh, he's been throwing a lot more now. He's he's been injured, uh, so he will be on the IR probably for the next week or two. But uh, that's another arm that we've been using this this uh, this year. And then Michael Robertson, um, uh, he's a he's a junior. Uh, he's kind of our utility guy. He plays everywhere for us, but. 
he's been uh, he's been throwing throwing for us here the last couple of weeks as well, and and, and giving us some very um, very good innings. Coach, you mentioned Paige coming up next, and you know potentially again in a Shenandoah District tournament. Talk about what the Page County Panthers bring here and the kind of challenges they bring your team, but just their team in general and what you've seen from them. Um, Page County is is uh, is a very good team, obviously. I think they've won uh, over 40 games uh, straight here uh, since last year. And, and um, they are very well coached. Um, got some, some very good players uh, leading off, obviously, with TR. Uh, they're ace on the mound, but also, you know, he's an exceptional hitter. Um, but they, it's not just TR. I mean, they've got some, they got some players, and you know, the one through nine as hitters, they're, they're tough outs. Um, we've always had great battles with them. Uh, we played with them uh, earlier in the year, and we lost three to nothing in, in a really good game, close game. Um, and, and the boys are are excited for the opportunity to get to play play against them again again uh, on Thursday. So, you know, you go through the Shenandoah District Tournament, and uh, it really won't matter for you guys. Uh, you're going to be a high seed, uh, looks like the top seed in Region 1B. You know, talk about the teams, uh, you know, that play at the top level of 1B, you know, a team that you, you might see in the semifinals or, or in the championship uh, coming out of 1B. Um, yeah, right now um, it's really a cluster there, um, two through six. Um, it's probably going to come down to the last uh, game uh, before we really know who's going to be uh, seated where in Region B. Um, William Campbell uh, is up there. Cumberland uh, Central, who we played last year, um, ended up beating them one to nothing um, in the um, in the final game, regional finals. Um, Stonewall is right around there as well. Uh, so there's going to be some, I mean, whoever we play, you know, very fortunate to get the number one season. We'll get a, a first-round bye. Um, but um, whoever we play in the semis, obviously, you know, it's going to be uh, um, uh, some good competition. I'm sure you'll get some home games uh, there in the 1B tournament as well. Um, is, is there ever a neutral field in the region tournament, or is it always higher seed host? Uh, higher seed. So if Great, great. Yes, if we're if we're fortunate enough to win on uh, on the semi, then then we'll uh, we'll be able to host uh, for the final as well. Well, very good. Well, coach, we really appreciate you coming on, talking about your team, uh, getting everybody excited about what Riverhead baseball is doing as the regular season wraps up. Uh, hopefully, a lot of our listeners are going to get out to some baseball games. Hopefully, there's uh, plenty of games to, uh, to go on throughout the rest of the month and into June. Uh, but we wish you nothing but the best of luck. Well, I appreciate it. And again, thanks for having me on. All right, that was Coach Rodney Painter for the Riverheads Gladiators. We'll be back with the last segment here on the Xbox Podcast. All right, back here with the D Block here on the Yak Sports Podcast. And I want to know, Joe, what is dominating your life? What is dominating my life is something I saw right after we recorded the episode last week. So it's been on my it's been dominating my life for a while. But post-game baseball interviews, especially at the college level, are usually hilarious for the shenanigans going on behind the person being interviewed. And Missouri baseball really knows how to do it. Uh, There were two different instances of Missouri baseball people being interviewed and then shenanigans going on behind them. One was a player being knighted, 
which was awesome. <laughs> and then the second one was a boxing match um, that they had. And then there was actually someone coming out as, you know, one of the ring girls kind of holding a sign, walking across uh, behind the person being interviewed. And then you see these two people with boxing gloves on pretending to box. And quickly the referee steps in, ends the round. You see other people come out like the corner quarter guys putting <laughs> stools down for him to sit on and other guys being the corner men talking to him, wiping their face off. Then the guy comes back across with a different sign holding up round two. They start. There's a knockout. Now, my one criticism, the guy only counted to three a la wrestling when he should have been counting to ten if it was boxing, but you yeah, know, I'll let it slide yeah. because he's a college kid. Well, he probably has never watched boxing dumb, because they're going to do it right. Boxing's dumb. So he probably has never watched boxing. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, they're hilarious. It reminds me of Radford rain delays when they yeah, did the joust. That was yep. great too. College kids. Yeah, know how to was, have fun. Yeah, they went viral with that. That was a good time when Radford was going with that, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. I want more of that. Yeah, I think it should be a requirement, and and let's get it at major league level too. Agreed. The Orioles used to do uh, shaving cream pies before Mark Trumbo had to rain a parade on that, but Mark Trumbo won't be an Oriole soon enough, so maybe we'll bring it back. What did he do? I don't I don't know the story. Oh, he cried about it because it hurt his eyes, or he didn't want to do it. And so Mark Trumbo's gotten this yeah. reputation as very anti fun, which is fine. Um, we're not very we're not a fun team to watch, so. Honestly, if if they wanted to do it in the middle of the game and have people ride out and fake box, I'd be okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, what's dominating my life? Uh, been real busy lately, uh, as I've alluded to on the last couple podcasts. But at the end of the night, I've been cutting on Justified, and I've watched that series through multiple times. Uh, the early seasons, I've watched multiple times. I actually cut on the final season. Just kind of want to be reminded of it. I missed the show. And if you have never watched Justified, I know you have, but any listeners, catch it. I, I think I like it more and more as I watch it. It's just it it's good at telling stories. Um, there's cool stuff, funny stuff, it, it just good performances, a lot of the bad guys um throughout the series. Um, you know, the main bad guy um is is very good. You're you end up rooting for him a lot of times. Uh not necessarily against the good bot guy, but in what he's doing. And then how those how the good guy and bad guy throughout the series correlate with the the bad guy for that season is always very interesting. I just highly recommend it. I really like it. And I think what made me realize like I'm I should be recommended is like I was telling my mom about it and I was like, yeah, it's kind of western like a modern day westernish kind of thing. Um where there's like a lot of, you know, cowboy and gun in the holster kind of um mentality to it but i was like i mean really when you think about the stories and how they're told it's just good and it's it's solid tv i mean it's not the the most magnificent series ever made and uh yeah there's not as much money in it as like a game of thrones or something like that but it's just really good television so i, I highly recommend it and uh, i know you've watched it yeah it's a great show timothy oliphant is amazing he plays uh, the main character raylan Givens, who's a u.s marshal in kentucky um, he's fantastic in it. Uh, the bad guy you're referring to, Boyd Crowder, uh, played by Walter Groggins, who, oh, I, the more I see Walter Groggins, the more I love him. Uh, the guy is hilarious. Yeah, um, he has a lot of comedic lines, even in Justified, that you just can't help oh, yeah. but laugh at. Um, and then he's also in HBO's Vice Principals. Um, yeah. he, he makes some appearances in some other shows, too, that are escaping me off the top of my head. But what I was going to say is, um, and 
And then I thought about it and I was like, like cross dresser. I think it like sons of anarchy or something. He is. But um, Timothy <laughs> Oliphant also plays a very similar character in the show Deadwood, um, yeah, which they're now a making one. a movie of. I loved Deadwood. Now, Deadwood, not as family friendly as Justified. Um, <laughs> Goodness, because Justified's not family friendly. <laughs> yeah, it's on HBO. So just know that going in. It's very HBO. Um, and so they're actually making a Deadwood movie, which I'm very excited about. So I'm probably going to go back and watch the series again. It's only like two or three seasons, I think, of Deadwood. So I'm going to go back and watch that before the movie comes back out. But yeah, you're right. Justified's amazing. Uh, I love Raylan Givens. Uh, he yeah. he makes wearing a He's cowboy hat perfect, cool. And that's what I like it best. Yep. What what do you know that we need to know, Leland? I'll tell you what. I saw something that horrified me in the last week, and uh, it, it just caught me off guard. And uh, I didn't even know it existed before I saw it. And it wasn't like a snake coming out of a bush or something like that. It was the preview for the Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie that's coming out and it has some names in it including jim carrey and some other other actors that we all know and and usually like or can be entertained by or at least respect i didn't know such a thing was even being made and it really really brings up the question do we need this and i you know there's been plenty of examples of that of them going back and making uh, movies over again or taking things from you know our generation from when we were kids and make a movie out of them do we need a live action sonic that after the previews put out there's public outcry for how bad sonic looks and how they've now made promises that the sonic that gets released in the movie is going to be better looking i this is ridiculous just cut it just cut the film like if you can't get the preview right then maybe the film never needed to happen and doesn't need to happen um, yeah, so uh, I haven't seen this trailer, uh, but this plays off of Welcome to My Side, Leland, because I talked about this, I think it was last week, but maybe it was the week before, where you said uh, it got real dark. Um, it, kids' movies are going to be the downfall of this country in the future. We're setting our kids, our future kids up for failure by showing them these horrible movies, and this Sonic movie is going to be one of them. This is going to be yeah. a bad movie, and so is Detective Pikachu, which fits in line with what you're talking but about. I haven't not, seen the Sonic, but, but I've seen the trailer for Detective Pikachu. For they're making this kid this movie for you and I because we know what Sonic is. My kids don't know who Sonic is. My yeah, little cousins that are older I, than, than my kids don't know who what Sonic is. What's the rating of the movie? I don't know, but they're making it for us, and that's why Jim Carrey's in it, and that's why it is. I mean, they're 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 banking that we're gonna take our kids to it and say, "Hey, kids, Sonic's awesome. I'll have to get out my old Sega and play it." And so I'm sure the oh, current yeah, games the- will be selling some brand new Sonic. And they're going to depend on that. In no way does this spark that kind of motivation from me. Could you imagine kids today taking one look at a Sega Genesis game of Sonic the Hedgehog? They would look at it and be like, this game was garbage. And so are you for making me play it. (laughs) You're garbage, Dad. You are garbage. Don't make your kids (laughs) play Sega Genesis. It's only going to crush your feelings. Yes, the game was great. But then we the game was great back then. Yeah, but but then we advanced the technology. Don't pull my kids. No, I will play some nba jam with my kids also don't take them to this movie don't take them to this movie i 100 percent agree it looks terrible and uh if we're against anything in america we should be against sonic the hedgehog movie agreed all right we have a special guest coming on so just just bring them on and you guys take it home
Okay, we are going to take over this podcast. Welcome to the Double Decker Liverpool Power Hour. Um, I'm not going to lie. Is this going to be another hour into the end of the show? Hour of Joe Deck time? Might be. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> this one's going to be positive, folks. Um, and believe me, if you would have told me this was going to be a positive close before today, I would have said, "Shut your mouth! You're an idiot." Um, because Monday I had my heart ripped out when Manchester City got a goal from the most unlikely of people to beat Leicester and basically put a cap on them winning the Premier League, meaning Liverpool's not winning the Premier League. And Liverpool entered today the second leg of the Champions League semifinal, down three goals, meaning they needed to shut out Barcelona and score at least three goals to force extra time and penalty kicks, or they needed four goals to win outright. Um, And I got ready to leave for work. And I was like, do I record the game? I was, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to devote any more time. After watching last week and watching us get stomped, I don't know if I can do that again. But then a little thing in the back of my head was like, well, Barcelona did blow it last year. And I was like, all right, whatever. Sure. I've got space on my DVR. Who cares? And I recorded it. Oh, I, my brother is also, I brought him into the Liverpool fold. Um, and Brad, you watched it live. I'll go to you and then I'll talk about my experience with it. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, this is great. Um, you guys put out great stuff. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say, first of all, wow. Yeah. Wow yeah. is like almost the only thing that you can say to describe it, but I'm going to go into a lot more detail than that. So this kind of just, as someone who's new to watching professional soccer, I could not believe how awesome this particular game was. I mean just blew my mind it made me kind of feel a little bit of a romanticism for the game similar to what I feel for baseball having gone and you know watched decades of movies and you know seen amazing baseball games play out in person and you know on tv just getting the actual feel of just having that romanticism about the game I got the same feeling from this because like you said in the most unlikely of scenarios where Liverpool has to score three goals and shut out Barcelona just to tie it. Who, by the way, just to tie it. Who, by the way, have Luis Suarez, former Liverpool player who is an amazing striker, Felipe Coutinho, former Liverpool midfielder who's amazing at shooting goals, and oh, I don't know, maybe the best player to ever play the game in Leo Messi. And not only that, but Liverpool does not have their best lineup in. They are going in without two of their three best strikers. And so who's going to be scoring these three goals that they need to score? Well, it's going to be some unlikely heroes. We got Origi and we got Wijnaldum. And if you would have said those two guys are going to carry uh, Liverpool into the Champion League final, I would have laughed and said, yeah, that's that's a good one, dude. And then I'll wake up and, you know, next year will happen and maybe we can try then. Yeah. And then you'll hit reset on the PlayStation. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, I already kind of had the idea going into this game that it was going to be just a big letdown to begin with. So I went and watched a movie instead. <laughs> and I didn't know what movie I was going to go see. It just happened to be whatever was on at 1 o'clock, and it happened to be a terrible movie. But, you know, I sat through it, and I was like, I don't want to sit through a three-hour-long movie because I would like to watch some of the game if, you know, who knows, if something happens. Well, I get out of the movie. It's one nothing. I see, oh, we scored a goal. And I was like, and it was very early on. And we got a yellow card, too. 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, still a lot of time left. Um, I don't see us shutting out Barcelona, but I'm going to just kind of, you know, sit here. A friend calls me up, says, hey, let's go grab something to eat. Game happens to be on. He goes to the bathroom, comes back, sits down. I look up. We've already scored goal two. And I'm like, hey, look out. Yeah. We can start you talking start to believe. Now. Then you start to believe. We can start talking now. I get done telling him, like, the situation here of what Liverpool has to do. And no sooner than I finish, I look back up. And I'm like, oh, dude, we just scored again. It's tied now. The, the aggregate uh, score is tied. We got to score one more, and we got to keep them off the board. And, you know, a little bit of time goes by. I'm starting to feel stressed now because now I'm also heavily invested in this game. And, you know, uh, Liverpool's got a corner, and I just see Alexander-Arnold kind of walking away from the ball and then in cheekiest of fashions runs up while Barcelona players are turned away and walking away and crosses it in for Rigi to just tap it in to the goal. And I, I lost it. I lost my mind. I almost had to get up and leave the restaurant. Um, <laughs> I definitely had to go to the bathroom after that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, then we, you know, I come back and I'm like, dude, we're going to blow it, you know. We're, we have to. It's the only logical explanation is that we're going to give up a goal and they're going to have the away goal that'll win it. But, you know, this is the kind of thing, a great comeback in a second leg that, you know, makes you believe in those kind of romanticisms like that I believe about baseball. And now I can see definitely how people can see that in soccer. I'm starting to see it now too. And, you know, to see the club come together like that and just rally and then the players on the field singing with the fans after the game, having that uh, moment of union, it was just like, you know, it, it's what you, it's the kind of things that you kind of dream of as a child. You know, it makes you believe in, you know, the fun aspect of sports again, you know, like, and you believe in all the little fairy tales again. So, you know, second start of the right, straight on till morning, all that good stuff. See, and that's, that's what I probably get upset with Joe all the time about, uh, your, you know, your brother there uh, is he's so damn negative And I, I, that's a word I don't like to use on the podcast, but he is, he's just so negative and, he, I watch sports to have those good moments. I like him and I in my living room like a year ago when something really good happened in our sports fandom. We well, go ahead shared and say that it. Joy, joy, enjoyed it together. I just don't know why you have to live in negative the rest of the uh, the rest of the time to have that good time. Why can't you just be hopeful of the good? Because my teams live to disappoint me. Um, the in fact, have won two Super Bowls. Uh... I don't, the Orioles had Cal Ripken. We suck like, for my lifetime. We have yeah, but you, for like, my there lifetime. were some solid times through there. For the, you had some good playoffs. You, the little boy in New York stole the the playoffs I for me that, that year. Kid. I mean, you've had some good sports. Day. Like, why can't you just be hopeful of the good instead of dreading the bad? Leland, I'm not gonna let you take this away from me. Let's talk about it um, today. <laughs> in fact, before we even recorded today, so we were supposed to record this on Monday. You're not even gonna, you're not even gonna record the thing because you're just assume they're gonna lose. Like that, that plays right into it. We were supposed to record this on Monday, and what I had for what I need to know is sports are cruel. Um, <laughs> and it was because Manchester City had scored, taking away the Premier League. I thought there was no chance we win this second leg, let alone for nothing to advance to the champions league final. So I was like, Oh, we're not going to win anything. This is a really, really good Liverpool team. And we're not even going to win anything because it doesn't matter. 
uh, because we just happened to be playing the two best teams in the world in the two competitions we actually had a chance in. Um, so, and I was ready to talk about just, you know, my negative sports experiences and just drive that home one more week. And then, <laughs> and then today happened and Brad, I texted my brother, uh, saying, is this worth watching? Am I going to be wasting another two hours of my life watching us lose? And he said, just watch it. And I was like, is it worse than the first leg? And he goes, it's interesting. And I was like, okay, well, if it's interesting, then I'll watch. And so then I start watching. And I'm also, by the way, if you're trying to text me and I don't reply to you, it's not because I don't want to talk to you. It's because my phone is messing up. So I was dealing with Apple support while I was watching the game, which was a frustrating experience in itself. But I look up from the TV. I watch the first goal. And I was like, okay, that came pretty early. All right. And then we go into halftime. It's 1-0. Second goal comes, uh, and Divacarigi scored the first. Sec- when Aldum gets subbed in, he heads in a second goal. And I was like, I'm listening. Third goal comes, rapid secession afterwards, like Brad said. And at that point, I was like, okay, if we give up a goal now, this is going to be worse than if we had just lost nil-nil. Because now I believe... And I really do believe hope is the most dangerous thing in the world because then when you start to believe when it's taken from you, it really hurts. Like this Orioles season, I don't feel anything. I know we're going to be bad. I don't care. It's, it's no pain. No hope for the Orioles. I'm fine. But when it was 3-0 us today and 3-3 on aggregate, and I know if Barcelona scores a goal, we have to score two. I don't think we can do that. As Brad said, the cheeky goal happens. And I just screamed. And look, apologies to my neighbors. They don't (laughs) even understand what's going on. I am screaming. I can't believe it. Um, I had just finished my Apple support thing where I'm basically being told, go take your phone to a repair place. They may have to mail it, which, by the way, I'm not going to do. I'll take it to the repair place, but if they have to mail it, I'm just getting a new phone. Um, But that we get the 4-3 win. And like Brad said, and this is something I told Brad and I was talking to him, I was like, the only other thing I can compare this moment and what happened afterward to is in college sports when they sing the alma mater in front of the band. But even then, the alma mater is usually a total dumb song. I love the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. And you see the players in a line with the coach. And their arms are all on each other's backs and they're in a line and they're swaying to the song. You'll never walk alone singing with the fans and just seeing just the sheer joy on everyone's face. Muhammad Salah out with a concussion best striker Liverpool has Bobby Firmino, the biggest playmaker and just pure chaos creator for the other side out with an injury as well. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh, well we have no hope. And the whole week leading up, Liverpool's like, we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. Stick with us. We're going to fight until the end. And it was starting to get to the point where I was like, dude, you guys quit in the first leg. We lost 3-0. That was on you. But, uh, again, a, a moment like this could only happen at Anfield. It's a magical place where Liverpool just does some really, truly amazing things. Earlier in the week, this game, the game, I believe, was actually at Newcastle. And... Divacarigi scored a big goal 
at Newcastle to keep Liverpool's premier hopes alive. Um, he scored, and they actually have a hilarious video that I'm going to give to Leland and ask him to retweet at some point during the week of his goal put to the Titanic music because it's just hilarious. And you see the Liverpool fans that travel to Newcastle just going bananas in the stands, celebrating like, oh my gosh, we still have a chance. And this tonight and today was amazing. I've I've talked to people who know I like Liverpool but don't necessarily watch soccer. I've talked to people who are Liverpool fans and also are just sharing in my I can't believe what just happened. It it was truly, truly amazing. And look, these aren't moments I'm used to watching with my teams. Yes, the Ravens won a Super Bowl. Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe that just speaks to, like, I don't love the NFL like I love baseball. And I don't love it like I've started to love soccer. I think I like soccer more than the NFL. There, I said it. Um, the English Premier League and watching Liverpool and watching this club has just been amazing. Jurgen Klopp is just a fantastic coach. His energy is truly, truly something to be inspired by. Uh, listening to his post-game comments, and he even mentioned, this place is magical. It means more here than it does with other clubs. And it's true. I just, and this is no shot at Rob. Uh, I know he likes Manchester City, but I just don't, you don't have that moment at Manchester City. There's no song like You'll Never Walk Alone that Manchester City is connected to. There's no, there's, their fans just aren't as energized as Liverpool fans at Anfield. And it happens on a European night where Liverpool does one of the greatest comebacks in Champions League history to beat Barcelona and Leo Messi, one of the greatest players in the history of soccer. And to just pull it off, June 1st, Leland, I'm telling you right now, um, Rob will be in touch. It, you need to clear your calendar for June 1st. I want people here to watch the Liverpool Champions League final. Dangerously so, I believe that Liverpool can win. If we can do this without Salah and Firmino in the Champions League final, spotting the other team three goals. Oh my goodness. Um, it was truly magical, and I loved it. And I know you don't like and appreciate soccer like we do, Leland, but oh my gosh, it's, it's so much more. I can't even think of another thing that compares in my sports fandom. I mean, I've watched the Orioles win the division, and that was a really tear-jerking moment for me because that team has sucked for most of my remembered life that, that I can remember. And so when they won the division, that was tears of joy. How do we celebrate that? By getting swept in the ALCS by the Kansas City Royals and having my heart ripped out. So that took a little bit of joy away from that. And if Liverpool loses in the Champions League final, don't get me wrong, it's going to suck. And I'm going to be really down about it. And the week after is going to be a dark episode. But in this moment, Leland, I'm not, I know usually I'm negative and that's what you don't like about it. But that's what I have. I have Virginia Tech letting me down at every turn. I have the Baltimore Orioles finding ways to not succeed and just generally be terrible. I have the Ravens having Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. I have Virginia Tech basketball losing Buzz Williams. I have it was good. We had some we had some good there, man. We had some big wins, and we got in the second weekend of the tournament. It was it was some good. It was some good to have there. 
the Cavs won the Stanley Cup, and that was cool, but I like soccer more than hockey. I I like soccer and baseball the most, so I want my teams there to win, and I want Liverpool to win the Champions League. I will say, it it almost seems like, um, similar to what you were starting to say, if they don't finish the job and win the championship, then that almost seems like it's all for naught then. Because similar to like when the Vikings had their miracle play against the Saints where the guy just dove past the receiver and, you know, uh, I don't remember who it was, the receiver. um, Stephon Diggs. Yeah, just basically trots on into the end zone and they win that game. I told one of the Vikings fans that I know, he came in and said, that's the greatest moment in Vikings history. I can basically like, I can die happy. And I said, you realize you're saying that you're okay with them losing the next their next playoff game and not, not, making it to, not making it to the, <laughs> not Super, Bowl. Getting to the Super Bowl. I was like, if they don't win it, then that game doesn't matter. That moment doesn't matter. So, okay, so great point, Brad. It's like the miracle on ice. Being yeah, the Soviet exactly Union wasn't the gold medal game. You have to finish it. They beat Finland in the gold medal game. I believe it was Finland. Maybe it was Sweden. It was one of those Nordic countries. They beat in the gold medal game. That makes the miracle on ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So for this, if Liverpool wins the Champions League final, that cements this as the greatest night in club history, maybe. And if, if, if Buckner, it goes between Buckner's legs. If the Mets don't go on and win it, we don't talk about Buckner. Yeah, if, if the Mets don't right. win Game Seven, right. no if, one, yeah, if, no one remembers Buckner. Oh, uh, yeah. the dude, the Cubs fan over there. Stealing the boy, ball from Moises Alou. If the Cubs turn around and then win that series, we never talk about that guy again. Yeah, you're right. And like look. He's cemented by the finals that happened after it. And, that, and that's what happens here. We have to wait till June 1st now. We'll know if we're playing Ajax, who has the 1-0 lead over Tottenham, going into their second leg tomorrow at Ajax again. So if you're keeping up with the aggregate, Ajax scored it away goal. They're up one nothing. So now Tottenham has to win by. Uh, they have to if they only score one goal and it's one nil. They'll go into extra time and penalties. If they score two, they're good to go. And at that point, then the pressure is on Ajax because they'll be behind on away goals. Uh, frankly, uh, we're more familiar with Tottenham. Tottenham's more familiar with us. I I don't know who I want to play. To be honest. I didn't think I was going to be here, so I wasn't really thinking about it. I was like, it doesn't matter. Barcelona's going to win the Champions League. It's going to be gross. Um, But, wow, we won the Champions League. Our fans are celebrating, and I get to see the sad looks on the players that left us for Barcelona. Won the semis. Yeah, we won the semis. What did I say? You said won the Champions League. Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, we won the semis. Yeah, uh, trust me, the night is dark and full of terror still. Um, (laughs) We... We won the semis. We knocked Barcelona out. We advanced to the Champions League final. Um, and, and I get to see Coutinho, who left Liverpool because he said Liverpool can't win trophies anymore. So to get to knock him out, to get to knock Luis Suarez out, who, sell, who did the ultimate sign of disrespect in soccer by celebrating against his former team, to watch their sad faces just as, oh, we, as we beat them. I Again, Leland's going to hate this. I get as much joy out of that. I love seeing the disappointment in their faces. I love, I love more. <laughs> now this with this team, I will say, golly, dude. Given the history with the club and the Hillsborough stuff, and just the way the fans, it means more to them because of that. I feel like I feel like that plays a major role in it. That these fans know 
it's they're like a family and that's something European clubs in soccer are better than American sports franchises in the sense that they're not franchises. They're not going to move. They are anchored to that city. They have history in that city and those neighborhoods Uh, and those fans grow up. They know they're always going to be there. They know they're not going to move. We talked briefly about how we think it's ludicrous that the Orioles rumors are, but if the Orioles were to move, uh, you know, that's still technically something Orioles fans have to worry about. Uh, Liverpool fans don't have to worry about that. Liverpool football club is not going to up and leave Liverpool. It's just not going to happen. It's not how those clubs operate. And so because of that, they're able to build this rich tradition and history in those neighborhoods with those fans And that's why sports are so localized there and fans are so devoted to those teams. And just to see just the sheer joy. And like Brad said, for Divock Origi, who has played the role of hero more than once this year, that one I could have maybe understood. But when Aldum, Brad started laughing because before I was like, did when Aldum play... And Brad goes, yeah, he, he makes an appearance. And I was like, he probably blew it. He probably passed it right to Messi for them to win. I hate that guy because he he just has not played great all the time. But in this game, he played great and he has bought four years of straight forgiveness. He could fall down. Well, no, if he does in the Champions League final, it's going to go away pretty quick. But now that I'm thinking about it, but again, Saturday, June 1st. It's going to be fantastic. I can't does, wait. Does the IHOP have TVs for us to watch this in? We're not watching it at IHOP. We're not going to IHOP that day. <laughs> Saturday, June 1st is Champions League final day. In Madrid, Liverpool Football Club will be there against either Ajax from the Dutch League or Tottenham. <sighs> wow. What? Sounds good. You'll never walk alone. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Yak Sports Podcast. Share this just pure, unadulterated joy with your friends and family. Hold your loved ones tight tonight, and remember, you'll never walk alone. Liverpool has done it, and it's just truly the magical sense of sports and the pure joy and wonder that sports can bring. Sports will come around to ruin things again, but tonight we celebrate the victories, and what a victory it was. Again, like, subscribe, comment. Tell us your great sports memories. Um, I'm sure most of them will be from teams in this country, which is fine. Um, tell us about them anyway. Tell us what you're celebrating. And to everyone, good night and have a fantastic week. Hope is abound. <laughs> You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.